following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Episode 733 of the program. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore. Joined today, lovely, talented, scholarly, Brittany Page, everybody. So we're not going to talk about masks. We're not going to talk about <laughs> anti-maskers. We're not going to talk about the pandemic. Well, we might do that later, but we're not going to do that right now because we're trying to move away from that. We can only guarantee that we're not going to talk about it for the next maybe three minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll try our best. Um, but first, we had a bit of a technical issue early this week, which caused a disruption in the recording schedule. And some people had noted where is the show and why is Jesse still putting out video content? And Jesse, would you like to speak to that since you are the one who knows about all of the technical issues and I do not? Well, yeah. Well, one, I'm not a technical guy. I I struggle to get done what I do generally. But, but just simply put, how we record the podcast is different than the the setup I use to record the videos. Yeah. It's a different mic. It's plugged into a different thing. And I I just got a new computer about a year ago. It looks like I might need a new one. Mm-hmm. Um anyway, it it's a it's a shit show and I apologize, but I feel I don't know if this is that I'm just a wuss, but I feel like attacked when people <laughs> I know that it's out of love for the show it's out of loyalty it's out of fandom let's you do say. know that well i'm i'm just giving people <laughs> fairness and charity okay about it yeah but i always feel like it's almost like a hey you motherfuckers where's our show <laughs> like they're angry you know well it's nice to be wanted i think <laughs> it's nice to be wanted it just it's added stress so I wanted to talk about it just so that we can clarify kind of what happened. And, you know, it was a weird thing that we had with the Patreon hangout the other day, too, where we hopped on and then there was just some issue that we couldn't get figured out. And there's so many wires and connections and I don't understand any of it. Unfortunately, I can never be of assistance. Let me speak to that. People like we've done behind bts shots uh behind the scenes everybody yeah and people have seen the cord mess in here yeah and they've been like dude you need some cable management yeah. that is a shit show you really do and there's no you can stop with that too well Will you join in the I, fucking cacophony i think it would be good if you did that maybe you should watch a youtube video or two about how to do it and then you could get down there and clear up the cord mess okay that will be something i look into <laughs> It's just let me is, make note of that, as is, they say. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of modular. It's not meant to be a static setup that's always this way. Yeah, because we do sometimes like we're we're exploring 
recording the the podcast uh, for video more often. Which we we did. We put up a video of the last episode. That is right. And that's something that we're going to start doing at least once a month is the goal. We're hoping that we will do it more often than that, but we're going to be putting uh, a YouTube out, <laughs> a YouTube video out uh, once a month of the podcast. And there was a lot of positive feedback on that, that people like seeing us record the show. They enjoy watching us while we're doing the show. So that's something we we want to give to you guys. So that's something we're trying to prioritize. We are having the Patreon hangout for the month of April tomorrow, Saturday, May 1st at 11 a.m. Pacific time. So we told everybody on the Patreon call because they were the people that come to the Patreon hangouts (laughs) that we're going to do um, them on the last Saturday of each month. That didn't work out this month, so it's going to be the first Saturday of May and then the last Saturday of May. So that is the plan going forward. And that's just because the Friday night calls, um, it's typically us and Raina and Brenna and... uh, Very sparsely attended. April is sometimes there. And then typically those people... Are also there on the on the. No one's getting boxed out of of being able to show up for a call. Yeah, we just they haven't been as popular as the Saturday morning call. So we're just gonna do the one call Saturday, and I think that that will be good for everybody. Everyone on the call on Saturday was pretty happy with it, so we're gonna do that. Well, I, what I hear you saying is there's uh there's a lot of hey, where's my fucking podcast? But there's not a lot of hey, where's my fucking <laughs> Patreon call? That's true, but <laughs> we really love the Patreon call, and that's something that we've consistently been doing for I mean, since the beginning yeah, of the years. show. Yeah. As long as we've been on Patreon. Yeah, so um, I do want to ask you a question because this uh, tweet went viral on Twitter, and I thought it would be interesting to ask you what your response is to it. And no, I'm not going to talk about the Ikea guy in that video, even though I love that video. If I had that on audio right now, we'd play that because you you have been... I can't stop watching it. You love that guy. It's hilarious. If you haven't seen it, it's um, Scott Scott Cease. I don't know. Like, what's the thing about the manager? No, the manager doesn't know. Have you ever worked anywhere? <laughs> the manager doesn't know what's going on. Haven't you ever worked anywhere before? Um <laughs> At Scott S E I S S on Twitter. Scott Scott Sice, it sounds like. He is a comedian, a writer, and he he did this video that went viral. It's a TikTok. Uh, he's dressed in an IKEA outfit, and he just goes through all of the typical complaints that you would hear from customer service representatives. Yeah, well, or custom- from, people, from customers. Yeah, yeah, from customers, and it's from the perspective of a customer service rep, and it's just. Perfect. Beautiful. Very funny. So this tweet, though. This is not what we're going to do. Right. The one that I want to ask you about is there's an image of the TV strapped to the roller cart. Oh, like in school. Yeah, like in school. And the tweet says, your teacher just wheeled this into class. What are you watching? So I guess the idea being, what does this TV on a roller cart remind you of when you were in school? The space shuttle exploding. Oh, okay. I mean, either that or like Romeo and Juliet in high school, but but d- definitely the space shuttle. 
exploding. Were they like uh, running out to get the TV and rolling it in to the classroom or it was already in the classroom? Ah, it's been it's been a long time, Brittany Page. But, <laughs> but it seems to me we were watching it as kind of, a, oh, the space shuttle's going up. You know, because mm. that was, it certainly wasn't a new thing in 1986, but mm. it was, uh, you know... Any time a teacher wheels one of those fucking things into the room, it's so they don't have to do their job. Yeah. So it's like, oh, what can we do to not do our jobs? Let's let the kids watch the space shuttle explode and have everyone watch people die. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, I think for me, I think of Bill Nye, the science guy, for sure. Was he your your science teacher in elementary school? Basically. Yeah, basically. Um, Bill, 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 <laughs> Bill. I, well, it prompted me to think about other things that I had watched in school, and one that really stands out for me. It wasn't on a wheelie cart, because by this time we had a projector, but in my law enforcement class, we watched Walking Tall with Wait, The Rock. You, There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> We're, let's get back to Walking Tall with The Rock. In what class? Law enforcement. <laughs> Oh, you remember I wanted to be a cop for a long time. Yeah, but but let me let's get to that because that's very important. But you you guys upgraded to projectors. Is that what you said? Well, it was no longer a TV strapped on a car. If I remember correctly, I think that it. Yeah, I think it was on a projector at this time. Yeah, I was in high school. Huh? Yeah. I don't think we that that seems like an antiquated technology that they would have had like in the 50s. You a projector? You're not upgrading to a projector. Yeah, like the ones that with, hang like from the, the ceiling. Oh, you mean like a digital? Pro- I was thinking like with the like film, the real what? to real projector. No, no, no. What <laughs> just happened? How old are you? What's happening right now? <laughs> yeah. But okay, let's get back to your your criminal criminal law enforcement. Your law. You had a law enforcement class. I think that's what it was called. Now you're making me question my memory and my life. What am I, Elizabeth Loftus over here? Yeah. I wonder who got that joke. Um, what are they doing? Uh, Why was Walking Tall what you'd watch and not like NYPD Blue or something? Well, I mean, basically the, the same thing, right? I mean... <laughs> the same quality. The same quality I mean, it's, it's in terms a, of education. It's I mean. a, well, yeah, of course, yeah. but it's a police procedural, okay. not walking tall with the rock who's in massive car crashes and explosions and shit. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming it, I've never seen that it's movie. It's a classic film that really teaches you. How many Oscars did it win? That's the question. It did not win a lot of Oscars. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I hear your point. That teacher actually got busted because they played a TV movie about Charles Manson and there was an orgy scene mm. where people were <laughs> actively engaged sure, in orgy behavior. I'm sure the many Mormons in your class were quite happy. There about were that. some complaints <laughs> to the front office from the parents. What kind of a high school kid would complain about, oh, there was sex on TV? You know, maybe the orgy went too far. I don't know. <laughs> but there were definitely complaints. and As the, most orgies do. They, it, they go too far. If I remember correctly, I think the teacher just had to apologize to us. I don't think anything else really happened. So Just fist bumps all around. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. was there any others? Well, I mean, mine was uh, my other one was Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, I can't... Very re- cultured in Orofino, Idaho. I can't remember any other standouts that I... That I watched in school. No. It was a lazy thing, right? 
I mean, is that kind of the consensus? Yeah, I mean, especially with this law enforcement teacher, which I feel really bad because it, it sounds like I'm shitting on him, and I really don't want to because he wrote a letter of recommendation for me, which helped me get into college, and it was a very nice letter, although I think it was for sure templated because it said something about how, like, I should be president or something. Like, it was what? just believing in me to a degree that was not warranted whatsoever, and so... Um, I don't want to shit on him. He was a very nice guy. He was a Republican, and I was pretty much the only liberal in my class. I had him for government as well, and it used to be just me versus the class oftentimes, and people saying, like, their argument for homelessness was that we should take all the homeless people and put them on an island and kill them. Like, that's literally the level of argument that I would be dealing with in the classroom. Idaho education. And he would sometimes thank me on the way out. Like, thanks for hanging in there and, and pushing back and and doing what you need to do. Yeah. And uh, keeping it respectful, in a way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm known for, right? Keeping it respectful well, with that's the kitties. I think that's what you're known for now. Yeah. So anyway, it was uh, an interesting time, and I don't want to shit on him, even though, yes, he was lazy. He showed a lot of well, movies. Can, that's what he was nice, known for. He'd be a nice guy and a terrible fucking teacher. Yeah, he was a nice guy, but he 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 showed a lot of movies, like Walking Tall with The Rock. <laughs> anyway. All um, right. Before we move on, 657-464-7609. Of course, email, I doubt it, at dollamore.com. We'd love to hear from you. Especially if you're going to bitch and complain about how the show hasn't been here for you. Well, that's... So you're being a little aggressive, which I don't appreciate. But I I do want to say it does create stress, especially when things are happening or whatever. And there's there's things that pop up and that that happen and and we are you know trying to get through some of that i mean sometimes they hear about it right that's why we said we're not going to talk about the pandemic and i'm not going to talk about it right now so stop trying to get me to talk about it we're listen we're over 14 minutes in now so you can <laughs> uh well just under 14 anyway uh, 14. the point is the point is we apologize about the delay we appreciate that people care about us and want to hear from us I think that should be, and this is something I certainly try to focus on when the stress comes, is, holy shit, what a cool thing that people are like, where are Jesse and Brittany? I miss yeah, them. Yeah, for sure. I'm just, I want to hear from them. I'm doing it trying to be funny. Yeah. Obviously, it's fucking, if it's not even working with you when you're looking right at my face when I make the joke, <laughs> clearly I didn't do it right. If only we were recording this one for YouTube, everyone, we could have put it to the test. But we can't. There's more stress. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, let's get to some lucid communication. Last time, uh, I shit on Subway and anybody oh. who eats tuna fish sandwiches at Subway. <laughs> and um, someone called in about it. Hello, Jesse. Hello, Brittany. It's uh, Slow Mike from beautiful, exciting, culturally diverse Port Perry, Ontario. Um, in regards to the discussion of Subway and its... Um, absence of quality control. Got to say, when you were bad-mouthing Subway, I had this idea for a wacky morning call-in show where, you know, Skip from the Wankford, Ontario Subway store would call in and argue about Subway's quality and then him yelling at his employee who serves as the, like, poison taste tester for customers. 
Uh, it sounded really funny in my head, but I have a feeling if I tried to actually pull it off in real life, it would sound as bad as I could make it. Um, but yeah, who of us hasn't been touched by Subway directly or indirectly? I know I have family members that have had food poisoning from Subway. So, yes, I agree with you. It's always kind of walking the high wire when you eat at Subway. <laughs> the other thing is discussing um, Popeye's racial views. Um, you know, how do we know wow. what our dogs um, feel about that? You know, is my dog a racist? And I would say, no, my dog is not a racist. However, I would say she's definitely bigoted in that if we go out in public, um, men get a free pass. Uh, if you're wearing a hat, then it's even more exciting for her. Uh, women can, you know, go bugger off. They, she could care less. So mm. I, I would say my dog, while I can't speak to her racial views, uh, as far as sexism goes, yeah, she's definitely a sexist bigot. Um, and in fact, <laughs> wow. I would argue is also guilty of harassment as far as, you know, kind of foisting herself on men uninvited. Um, oh. despite being, being told to knock it off. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a hard thing, but I, I would argue some breeds probably are racist. Um, but you know, they hide it so well. Yeah. How do you know? Uh, so anyhow, thank you for letting me babble. Love the show. And, uh, yeah, Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. It actually, I mean, we were making jokes, but, uh, I think Louis C.K. said, you know, about a baby one time, like, well, I don't even, they could be racist. I don't know. I have no idea. They haven't said anything yet. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And we were making a joke about Popeye, but I think with anything, and now I'm going to kind of bring it down to Serious Town, you know, that's the best town, Serious Town. Here we go. Is, uh, it's a conditioning with, with a, with a dog. Like if, if a, a man has abused a dog or a, a, a dude with a beard or whatever, mm. you know, it, it, we know who Popeye hates. Yeah. Children having fun. Well, he, I'm not fucking joking. Yeah, but he doesn't like pretty much anyone coming close to him. You have to be at our house. Yeah. We are welcoming you in. We have to be showing him that we want you to be here. And then he will kind of follow our lead. But like if someone walks by when he's in the yard, he becomes very aggressive and he can't see. It's really embarrassing to watch him, actually, because he tries to act like a tough guy. You're embarrassed for him. He doesn't You're not even, embarrassed personally. He doesn't like, even oh, know. My dog is so embarrassing. He doesn't even know where to look. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's embarrassing. And it's gotten worse now that his ears sewed shut. You can't hear out of now it. Now he can't hear. He doesn't know what's going on, but he's trying to act so tough. And we just kind of sit there and emasculate him and say, you don't even, no one's afraid of you, dude. Well, we do that so the, the person doesn't feel like they're getting ready to get chomped. Jesse, we do that to emasculate the yeah, dog. Yeah, well, I don't know how much more emasculation. His nuts are already cut off. I mean, So, yes, but I want to get back to Subway because I think people <laughs> talk about, I don't want to come off as, I don't want to come across as an elitist. Mm. But here's what happens. That's my job, Brittany Page. Everyone knows my love of Applebee's restaurants. Yeah, I know that me hating Subway automatically makes me an elitist, but I am close to people who... Uh, I'm going to sound like an elitist. Uh, uh, <laughs> only, you be you, Brittany. Yeah, you be here you. Here we go. Only go to chain restaurants. And they prefer them. They prefer chain restaurants because you know what you're going to get. 
and it's comfortable that, there. That's a nice spin to put on it. Yeah. You know what you're going to, you know the kind of vile trash you're going to put in your mouth okay. walking in. You know what well, you're getting. No, but here's here's my perspective on it is oftentimes those restaurants are expensive for what you're getting. For, yes. And you could eat somewhere much better for much cheaper and you could support a small mom and pop shop. See, that's that's where we're not elitist. And I will put myself in and on this because we we don't eat at a lot of national franchises when we go when we've gone out to eat. In fact, during the pandemic, we've made an effort that the places we go and the the, the, the businesses we support are multi-billion dollar conglomerate corporations. Mm-hmm. They're mom and pop places. They're they're Restaurants with maybe two locations, and that's a stretch, even having two. Yeah, well, that bans them from our list, is is what happens, and they get knocked off the list. But specifically about Subway, when I'm talking about this mom-and-pop shop comparison, you could go get a delicious sandwich from a mom-and-pop shop that won't give you food poisoning and that will be delicious in supporting a small business rather than going to Subway. And I know that sometimes Subway is all you have. And that's if that's all you have, then that's all you have. I'm not trying to come down on you or tell you that you shouldn't go there because I understand. I know there are towns that like only have a Subway. Okay, I hear you. But if you have other options, I'm just saying, please try to utilize those options. Listen, what town only has a Subway? Well, I mean, even the little tiny town that I'm from. Well, that's actually what I was thinking of. I know they don't only have a subway, but I'm talking about like sandwich options. It's pretty much subway. Listen, it's not like that's all you have to eat. Here's like if you work retail and you work in a strip mall and that's the only thing close. You're a captive audience. You're not making that choice. It's not like, oh, yeah, I'm going (laughs) to get my subway on. Yeah, Uh, you're 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 a captive audience. Yes. Yes. You know, Uh huh. I yes, but I was thinking of the this small town in Idaho. I know it's not the only option, but it's there's still very limited options, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So and also, you know, I don't like to support Trump people, so in that town, I, I'm just going to starve in my hometown. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, thank you, Slow Mike, for the call. We very much appreciate it, and I think we have some more. We certainly do. Uh, the other the other thing that we've been talking about is kind of. Uh, the getting back to normal and what that brings with it relative to uh, something other than the pandemic, rather uh, other than regular life. And that is shootings in America and police brutality. We're getting back to all of that. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Popeye. This is Mark from Oregon. I just wanted to say that I've uh, been listening to your podcast and your YouTube videos. And I can tell you, honestly, I'm tired I'm tired of seeing people being killed. It seems like almost every day. I mean, we've had 45 mass shootings in the past month. A 13-year-old child was gunned down. And it worries me. And uh, that's also including a lot of people that, as you put it, Jesse, slow the economic recovery because of their actions, and then they complain that they still have to wear a mask even after they are vaccinated, and it's just it's too much. It's like it's an overload. I've had to start going on news diets because it's just 
heartbreaking, you know, just seeing it day by fucking day, nothing ever getting done, you know. We all should be united. It should be a, a political thing or a race thing or a religious thing. It's a human thing. And humanity, we've somehow lost our compassion in the middle of everything. And I say we in general, you know. You two are the most compassionate and uh, fascinating people that I've had the pleasure of virtually knowing. But I have to agree with you, Jesse. Democrats do not know how to wield power that they are given. They always want to play fair. And then, you know, they get too much fucking power to Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema, a few moderate Democrats that still have this pipe dream of working with the Republicans and trying to pass legislation. And it's like it doesn't fucking work that way. Republicans had zero interest over the past four years to work with Democrats at all. Oh, yeah, they'll pass a few bills here and there, little things they can talk to the constituents about, but it's not anything major. And personally, I think the DNC should fucking primary every single moderate Democrat. That doesn't fall into line because the only tactics we can use at this point is to fight fire with fucking fire, and pretty much I'm tired of fucking losing all the time. So if being a liberal is so fucking great, then they need to make it fucking great because they fucking suck and they fucking lose but anyways enough of that i love you guys and as always Brittany is the best part but jesse you come in a close second love you guys bye love the show Brittany's the best part bye so thank you mark for the very kind words and i appreciate your anger and your fire and I want to comment on something he said. I think he said, you're right, Jesse, about well, Democrats. Then, then awesome. Yes. Good, good for you, Mark. I uh, am right. About Democrats <laughs> needing to wield their power and get things done. It was interesting during Biden's joint address that he said he didn't want to, quote, become confrontational and said more Republicans need to join Democrats to improve background checks for gun purchases. He doesn't want to become confrontational. Right. Sir, please, please become confrontational. While people are being murdered in grocery stores and in their schools, you don't want to be confrontational. And and there was an, an opinion column that was written by Ezra Klein in the New York Times this week, and he talked about this obsession with bipartisan policymaking. And the central thesis of his article was that By continuing to place this emphasis on bipartisan policymaking, Americans only get more frustrated because they never get to see one political party's policies actually put up and put to the test so that they can see how it works and say, okay, I like what the Democrats are doing. I want them to continue to be in power. Instead, it's always just head to head, barely watered down or barely getting anything done, barely getting anything passed. And this emphasis on Republicans coming together why are we continuing to to do this? It, it, it's interesting coming from Ezra Klein, also Mr. Milk Toast himself, Mr. Non-Confrontational Ezra Klein. If Ezra Klein is saying that, then Democrats need to perk up and listen because he's not some firebrand. You know what I mean? Yeah, you mean his personality? Yeah, is... he's not he's not a bomb thrower from the left. He's a very reasonable. 
uh, non-confrontational type of guy. Well, and that's why I, so I guess confrontational is being taken the wrong way if it's being construed as like someone who's a bomb thrower. Because when Biden says he doesn't want to become confrontational, I'm not thinking that he's like going to throw down with Mitt Romney. I'm thinking that right. he is going to advocate for strong policy and not care whether or not the other party is on board with what's right. So why even the why the remark about not being confrontational? What what would confrontational look like? We don't know because the Democrats fucking never are. Right, and I think there's so much emphasis on bringing everybody together. I, I think in that Ezra Klein article, he was interviewing members of the Democratic Party and Amy Klobuchar said something about we need to get Republicans involved. And he remarked that he didn't even ask her about Republicans. Like she had just volunteered that it's important to get them involved in the process. And why? What underlies that logic if what you want to get done, they're opposed to and they're proving that they are not interested in being on board and want to actually stand in the way of you achieving what you need to and what you believe is right for the American people. And when they were in power, what the fuck did they do? They don't give a shit about getting Democrats involved. They don't care. So it is. It's an odd It's an odd thing that is important to politicians, Democratic politicians, that doesn't seem to be important to Republican politicians yeah. and is actually ruining their own chances of continuing to stay in power. Amy, so it, Amy Klobuchar. The only time she's confrontational is when she's making a staffer eat a salad with a comb. Come on. <laughs> but let me let me say this. It is an odd thing about it not being political, getting some of these things done. I mean, the problem with it is you're you're we're dealing inherently with a group of people that are not they don't have any principles. They don't have any ideologies that they're that they're true to. Because Republicans and, and conservatives and right-wingers forever have been anti-government until black people are being killed by police and then all of a sudden police forces aren't a part of the government and it's rah-rah, blue lives matter. Hmm. There is no fundamental core principles that they that they adhere to. Hmm. So, ugh. Also, I'm, I'm making this effort. Mark said this. He used the phrase that I'm guilty of using a lot. It's moderate Democrat. Joe Manchin is not a moderate Democrat. He's a conservative Democrat. Hmm. He's he's a he he might be considered um, a centrist Republican. He just he sometimes follows the lead of the Democratic majority leader because that's the party he's in. Kristen Cinema, Kirsten Cinema is not. A moderate in any way, just because she um, votes with Democrats some of the time, when it matters, they step out of line and want to act like kingmakers. They're conservatives. Let's call it what it is. And I'm really making an effort to do that. I'm not calling Mark out. Joe Manchin just said that he doesn't support D.C. statehood. Yeah. I mean, come on. Come the fuck on. So he's anti-democratic is what he is. Goddamn goon. Anyway, Mark, thanks for the call. Um, We appreciate it very much. Hey, guys, it's Laura from Buffalo. Uh, I am just listening to the latest episode and listening to Jen. And I just, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I, I don't understand how there is always going to be 
be people that are more sympathetic to the police. I don't understand that. I, I, I don't understand how you can see these videos and hear about these murders and feel worse for the police. I just, I don't, what, why? Why? We have to stop with the false hero ship in this fucking country. The, you know, just because you joined the military, you're a fucking hero. Or just because you are a police officer that makes you a hero. Well, if you're such a fucking hero for being a police officer, then you should be able to behave better than regular citizens. You'd be how mistake for gone. What? I, I don't, I don't even, I just, I don't have the words. I'm just, I don't know how people can actually, there's plenty more bad apples than good apples. If you are not speaking up as a police officer and speaking out against this violence, then you're also a bad apple stinking up the rest of the apples rotting with the rest of the fucking apples it just disgusts me I know it's a quote that Jesse uses all the time but something about good men doing nothing and if you're a suffer, you're standing up and something going on or you're useless something to change I'm going to end the call. Uh, something's wrong with uh, the audio. It, that's the actual audio of the oh, call. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't realize it. it kept doing that. Uh, the quote is that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing, which is misattributed. I always have to say this because everybody thinks it's Edmund Burke, but it's misattributed. No one knows. It's kind of an unknown quote. Uh, we should probably modernize it and take out the men. That The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good people to do nothing. And th- listen, if you're a cop, your your job centers around stopping crime, serving the people, protecting the people from criminal and criminal activity. Uh, if you're watching cops break the law and you do nothing, what fucking good are you? Why are you drawing a paycheck? And of course, I agree with the hero worship nonsense. It's something we've talked about for seven years Just because you're a firefighter doesn't make you a hero. You have to do something heroic to even qualify to be considered a hero. And just putting on the uniform doesn't make you a hero or heroic. Well, and The Wire has a good storyline about this. Here we go. (laughs) And so if you're planning on watching it and you haven't watched it, just skip ahead like a minute. So Carver starts out as a shitty cop. Carver is uh, the guy who plays the priest on Walking Dead. Just yeah. to give somebody just an idea who the guy is. Sure. So he he's not a great cop in the beginning of the show. But he goes on to become a good cop who reports bad cops. And it doesn't go over super great for him. I mean, he's not totally ostracized, but it's not it's not super great. And they play the dynamic out 
in the show very well. His arc is is a, a good one. But it also relates to the reality that a lot of cops face where there's this loyalty in the trenches. Yeah, and yeah, if you yeah. turn on somebody, then it's like they can't trust you anymore and well, you're a rat. They'll overtly threaten your life. I mean, in TV of I won't have your back if it comes to it in the street. Well, there was a recent police brutality event in Westminster here in Orange County and a woman was taken out of her house. She was having a a mental health episode and she was kicking the cop and he started punching her in the face when she was handcuffed. Yeah. I'm making sure you said the handcuff part. And the two officers that were involved stepped in front of him, shoved him off to prevent him from continuing to punch her. And everyone was like, good, this is what good cops do. And it's like, whoa, whoa, that's the bare minimum. (laughs) The very bare minimum. They need to now follow through on reporting this guy, writing him up. They need to make sure. He needs to lose his job. That he, well, I mean, they need to do what they need to do to get him to the point where he's no longer in this position. He no longer has this power over other people. The bare minimum is stepping in and stopping someone from being violently abused by an agent of the state when they are handcuffed. That's the bare minimum. But everyone was like, oh, my God, this is exactly what we want to see. No, no, no. (laughs) Right. Please, calm down. I mean, until he's brought up on charges for punching someone who is under control already because they're in handcuffs. No. Yeah, and... We'll we'll get to other instances of police brutality, I believe, because there were calls about that, right? One more call. On okay. It. Yeah. Hi, this is Wamar Neal. I was calling in regards to episode 732 when Dan called in about being frustrated. Um, I understand completely. This is how I feel. It's frustrating. Like, new normal, I don't know if that's a thing. Or back to normal. Back to normal for a lot of black people in America is hearing about more police shootings. Just in the Derek Southern case, while it was going on, I think there was seven police shootings. A 13-year-old gets killed with his hands up. A 16-year-old who calls for help gets shot. And I understand that that case can be a little gray because she did have a weapon. She was defending herself. She called the police for help and ends up getting shot. Um, It's terrifying. It is literally terrifying for black people now. Where we don't know if our kids are safe. We don't know if our spouses or brothers or sisters or cousins Walking to the store could be a dramatic event. Going to work could end in trauma. And we are, we're exhausted. I'm 44 years old and I, I don't think I've ever been so exhausted when it comes to the state of racism in America my entire life. It's exhausting. I heard the funniest thing someone said on this one sitcom, The Unicorn. She said, my black hurts. And that's how I feel. Like, my black hurts. It's it's too much. Going outside again means putting ourselves more in 
in danger. And hell, even at home, it's not like it's safe. They can bust into your house, wrong house, and kill you. It's, it's, it's crazy. And I don't know what can be done. I don't know what's going to give us peace, what's going to give us comfort. Because everybody fights so hard when it comes to any type of reform when it comes to the police. And I would love to be able to call them if I was in danger, but the fact that I've seen a video where two couples were getting attacked by a man, a black couple, and the wife had to decide, should I call the police for help so that they, and hope that they don't shoot my husband and he's not the one with the gun. Like that's the state that black people are in now. And. Mm. Cut off by Google. Awesome points. And th- there's two things I want to talk about. One uh, is the Micaiah Bryant case in in um, Columbus, Ohio, which, by the way, you brought me around on, Brittany. But first is or the, the other thing she's talking about is that Arizona couple who got into the the they were sharing like a kitchen space in a they had like food truck mm-hmm. where they prep. They have there's like a, a communal area where people cook to prep for their food truck. Right. And a guy who they were renting from or something. He pull, was pulling a gun on the dude, and the dude jumped up and held him and held him with the gun to, to stop him from drawing the weapon on his wife. And he made his wife call the cops, and she, in the interview, said, "I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Am I going to call?" The, and it ended up being okay. The cops came in, and it went well. Yeah. But um, people who deny that that is a problem, they're not being intellectually honest because. If we're sitting across the table from a dude mm-hmm. and he he goes to draw a weapon and I grab him, I have no worry in my mind about the cops being called. Right. That they're going to come in and kill me. Yeah. That's because I'm white. That's That would never cross my mind. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it does. It is a natural course of order for blacks in America to think about, oh, shit, I can't just call the cops. Mm-hmm. Because bad shit goes down. Mm-hmm. Bad assumptions are made when a cop arrives on the scene and there's a black person who's there who that might be the suspect mm-hmm. because they're black. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. So- and then this Micaiah Bryant thing in, 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 in Columbus. I did a video and I, I mentioned it in passing in a video on YouTube and I was shocked by the my audience response in the comments about well she had a gun she had a knife the cop did nothing wrong mm-hmm. and I had already been convinced of the argument by you because I was like yeah she had a knife and what's he supposed to do and you turned me around on it well and this is I mean I I could be changed by someone who has more expertise than I do sure but this is just on my viewing of the video what my takeaway is and while we alluded to me wanting to be a cop earlier in my life and when I was 16 I did a trial post academy thing that I was really excited about. I thought it was like my future. It was... uh, Didn't ultimately you want to be an FBI agent, right? Yes, I wanted to be an FBI agent like Clarice. And I... (laughs) I went to this post-academy training and it was great. It was a week-long thing. We got to do firearms training. I just snotted coffee all over myself, by the way. (laughs) We did mock home searches where we had to go in in teams and there were cops hiding in certain places with... 
paintball guns, paintball pellet guns. And oh, those hurt when they hit you. It hurt really bad when I forgot to check the closet. And um, <laughs> it, it was a it was a it was a good time waking up early, making your bed. It was like the military. And I, I really yeah, enjoyed exactly my time. Exactly like but, the military. But what now I'm saying it was like a military training. I might may as well get you dressed blues and get you an eagle, uh, uh, a bird ball and anchor because you're you're a Marine. You're basically a Marine. Because you went through a few days of post-training. That's exactly what I just said. (laughs) So at this training, though, they had uh, this technology where you could train and you had to talk to the screen and they gave you a scenario and you were watching it play out and you had to decide what to do in that situation. You had to give commands to the screen. And my situation was a domestic violence call. And so I walk up on the house and there's a domestic violence situation occurring. I believe a woman ran out of the house toward me, was very distressed, yelled stuff at me, and then she ran away. And then I think the this man came out of the house and had a knife and he was waving it, pointing it at me, not coming at me, but talking to me with it in an angry way and I kept yelling the command drop your weapon he didn't so I shot him in the head and they stopped the thing and they're like whoa 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 what did you just do and I was like well he like wouldn't put it down he kept waving it at me it, you know I yeah, shot him it's exactly like that scene from men in black where he she, he kills the little girl with the physics book yeah exactly <laughs> and rip torn's like they stopped the simulation what's going on well, look at all this scary shit going on. It's a little girl. She doesn't look scared. She's carrying a physics book. She's the problem. Here. Yeah. And so that was the wrong thing to do. And I right. I was talked to about why that was the wrong thing to do and that I shouldn't have done that. And uh, thankfully, it was just a video screen. But I thought of that when I saw the video. Another part of the video was Micaiah was, from the video, from what I could tell, she had her back to the cop. Yeah. And she was she had the knife in her hand and she looked like she was going for the person. Yeah. I believe that based on a police officer's training that it would be possible for this man, this police officer to intervene in a way that he is still safe and she is alive. Now, I'm not saying that she wouldn't get hurt, but she would not be dead. Right. She and also She's a kid. She is a child. And he's a full-grown man with a taser, with pepper spray, with all kinds of non-lethal intervention methods on his person. And that's what I mean about she probably wouldn't make it out of that situation without a wound. I'm, I'm talking maybe broken bones, possibly even, in terms of just force of getting her to the ground or whatever it might be. But she would be alive. And the first option should not be kill. Right. Oh, they got a gun. Kill them. And I guess it's concerning to hear from people that are like, yeah, she had a knife. What were you going to do? Uh, based on reports that I've read, Micaiah was in foster care and there was an altercation that happened. That's pretty much all I've been able to ascertain about the situation. There's not a lot of reporting about went down. And if that's the case, and, and let's say she struggles with anger issues or outbursts or has something going on, should that be something that we deal with via death sentence? Right. Or is that something that someone whose brain is still developing and who is still trying to find their way should be given the opportunity to try to work through some of that? 
Now, with all that said, I understand that she was in the middle of like lethal force. I mean, yeah, she had a sure. knife. She had a knife. Two things can be true at the same time. Right. And so I'm not trying to say that this is black and white. I, I think it is a complicated situation. But what I'm saying is I think that there is a scenario in which a different choice should have been made and she would still be alive. Here's another element to this that, that people are, may not know. And that is since 2013... The Chicago PD has the most killing of children's killings of children with 12 since 2013. New York City has five. Columbus has five. Columbus, Ohio, with not even a million people living there, has killed their police department has killed five children in the same time that New York City, which has 10 times the people, has killed. That's, that, to me, speaks of a problem. That a, a, a police department is killing an outsized number of children to their population compared to a, a place like New York City. Well, in all of the five young Columbus victims, their age ranges 13 to 17 were black. So 100% of the kids they've killed since 2013. And Columbus police officers have killed more than 40 people since 2013. More than 70% of those victims were black, despite black people accounting for only 29% of the city's population. So there's a problem in... I mean, there's a problem nationwide, but Columbus needs a spotlight. There needs to be um, the civil rights division of the Justice Department go in there and break shit down and get things figured out. And let's also say Kyle Rittenhouse, I mean, Kyle Rittenhouse was armed, was yeah. killing people, and police were giving him like water bottles to drink. We're to also keep him learning hydrated. We're also learning now that cops were that have actually contributed to his defense fund. Right. So I'm I'm a little weary of people who are like, what other option could there have been? Listen, I think it's a conversation. I understand that there's people that have been in these situations. They understand that. Listen, I've been in those high stress situations uh, where there is violence happening. And I, I understand that you're under pressure in terms of making a quick decision. But that's what the training is for. And that's that's, right. that's what your job is. It's what you chose to do. And if you don't feel like you can handle that, then it's important to be honest with yourself and try to find something else that will be fulfilling and that will be something that you can handle. And I think that that's part of the conversation, too. You can always make tuna fish sandwiches at Subway. Sure. I mean, we we would prefer that you don't do that because we do not need more of that. Because li lives are at stake either way, I guess. But do you do you get what I'm saying? I'm 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 not coming across as black and white. This is what should have happened. I have it all figured out. No, I'm really there, not there, trying there, to do that. No, the, you're saying this is what was conveyed to me even earlier is there are alternatives to a kid being killed mm -hmm. when there's an adult. An authority, the ultimate authority figure on the scene. Mm -hmm. And her back is to him. I mean, listen, it did go down quickly. But it seems to me we should hold our, our police. If you if we want to give someone the power of holding a deadly weapon in the, in the course of their duties, 
We need to hold them to the higher standard, not the, the child who's had uh, an inexorably tough life, who's in foster care, who knows the horrors that she's seen. We, the, the responsibility shouldn't be on her. It should be on the cop to make sure a life doesn't end that day. Mm-hmm. Anyway, as always, we'd love to know what you think. This is a tough issue. Uh, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. All right, moving on. I Doubt It is an independent podcast supported by listeners like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you find the show informative, entertaining, or both, go to dollamore.com slash Patreon and choose the contribution level that's right for you. We would like to thank our newest Patreon supporters, Mick B. Mick B. Melissa M. Melissa M. Kyra S. Kyra S. And RPS. RPS. Mm-hmm. The one and only Sampy. Yes. <laughs> RP. If anybody out there loves the intro song that this show has has been blessed with for over seven years, mm-hmm. that is from a band of a dear friend of mine, mm-hmm. RP, I guess is what we're calling him. Uh, I guess that's like his name now, nickname. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I love that guy. And I thank him for the, the great tune that got um, daily show eyes by another friend, but... Uh, he actually emailed me when we changed the intro after uh, Dan Bailey daily showized it, uh-huh. made it a little bit more horny or something well, with horns. Yeah, yes. And uh, he was like, "Sorry, I suck at playing guitar." Like oh, being funny, uh-huh. being funny. Anyway, we love you, brother. Thank you for uh, the support in the show. I'm, I'm uh, honored and humbled. We dear both sir. are. We both are. All right. Um, the other ways you can support the show, telling a friend, rating and reviewing. These little things go a long way toward increasing the audienceship and building the community that we've uh, really worked hard yeah. at building. So I want to talk about Idaho because Idaho is in the news because the Senate Education Committee passed House Bill 377. And it is an attack on critical race theory, which people in Idaho believe is pervasive in Idaho schools. And it's going to ruin the culture of Idaho. Yes, that is what... And I believe Governor Brad Little, dipshit McGee, I think he signed it into law. So this is official now. That is correct, Jesse D. And part of his statement on the matter is that he, quote, agrees that Idaho public schools and higher education institutions should adhere to the principles of equality, freedom of expression, and respect for all. However, the claim that there is widespread systemic indoctrination occurring in Idaho classrooms is a serious allegation because this is referring to critical yeah. race theory. So So because of an allegation, they don't they don't commission a study, they don't find out for sure. They just fire off some legislation which is goddamn ridiculous and then dipshit Brad Little signs it into law. Fucking moron. So basically this bill outlines that teachers are prevented from teaching certain things. 
Among that would be that any sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, or national origin is inherently superior or inferior. That individuals should be adversely treated on the basis of their sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, or national origin. Or that individuals, by virtue of their sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, or national origin, are inherently responsible for actions committed in the past by other members of the same sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, or national origin. We could go on, but the point is they don't want critical race theory being taught in schools. This is a problem because the bill sponsor, Senator Carl Crabtree, uh, was asked about the bill, and he was asked for evidence of critical race theory being taught in schools, and he was unable to provide evidence to support yeah, this yeah, claim. Yeah. He couldn't. He couldn't support this claim, and they can't even really define critical race theory. Actually, they they struggle to define. Even the, the, first of all, the bill is horrendously written, mm-hmm. convoluted, confusing. They're not specific about anything. And I think it's by design because these dipshits don't really get it. Mm-hmm. But l- let me read the part about the the critical race theory. Uh, th- uh, this is uh, section one, subsection two. The Idaho legislature finds that tenets outlined in subsection 3A of this section, often found in quote unquote critical race theory, undermine the objectives outlined in subsection one of this section and exacerbate and inflame divisions on the basis of sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, national origin, and other criteria in ways contrary to the unity of the nation and the well-being of the state of Idaho and its citizens. Mm-hmm. Th- that is just, that is inflammatory BS. Well, and if we were to look at this from the perspective of, okay, they don't want teachers talking about critical race theory, uh, talking about issues of systemic racism. I mean, that's really at the heart of critical race theory. Yes. And so when they're saying we don't want teachers teaching these things, I think of my own experience in Idaho public schools. And in fourth grade, I have vivid memories of sitting in the hallway while my entire class learned about history because my parents, my white supremacist parents, requested that I not be indoctrinated by the history lessons that my teacher was going to be teaching. Because you were learning about Native Native Americans. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't until 10th grade that I accepted that the Holocaust happened. And this wouldn't have happened without my 10th grade history class. Yeah, yeah. It, it was school. It was being taught. It was not being prevented. It was me not sitting in the hallway. <laughs> so if you're if if they're asking if they're mandating by law that that it that it not be taught that racism was the cause of any ills in the world, what, what, it is just such backward fucking nonsense that is keeping Idaho's children poorly educated going into adulthood, not experiencing an understanding of the actual. Very um, complicated history of our country. Mm -hmm. It doesn't lead to well-rounded, educated kids who grow up to be adults. 
And let's just read a definition of critical race theory. This is from Wikipedia. I'm sorry, but it's the first thing that's coming up and uh, is an academic movement made up of civil rights scholars and activists in the United States who seek to critically examine the law as it intersects with issues of race and to challenge mainstream liberal approaches to racial justice. So why would Idaho feel so threatened by this? Well, because it is a an overwhelmingly white state led by Trump Republican douchebags who don't who who are dedicated to ignoring the history of the United States. People who venerate our slave raping founding fathers. That's who these people are. They they, they are the same people who would say we shouldn't be taking down statues of the heroes um, Confederate general statues. These same people. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting to me how I used to feel like it was such a foreign concept. My parents requesting that I sit out of certain lessons at school because they didn't want me to be indoctrinated. And then to think about how this is what, a mainstream principle for conservatives if they have a teacher that is teaching history and right. and they don't agree with that version of history they want to prevent their children from being taught about what actually happened in the world and that's scary to me because i know personally the ramifications that that can have and education is so necessary to help people escape the chains of indoctrination yeah, that yeah. they grow up in this bill also threatens funding so it's mm. it's not just um i mean because this could have ramifications at the university level as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it, we're going to follow this, absolutely. Um, and if you're in Idaho, we would love to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, especially. we. I know we have a large Idaho audience. I'd love to know yeah. what some Idahoans think. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email voice memos, I doubt it, at dollamore.com. All right, let's talk about another dumb shit, Brittany. Oh. In our field of work podcasting oh is it uh joe rogan it is joe rogan you called him a dumb guy uh i think i called him a dumb shit oh okay well he calls himself a dumb guy so i guess that's not really an insult yeah, you're just a- agreeing after with the him. fact after he spews his nonsense about his mushroom tea or whatever and mm-hmm. all his weird views of his he's he's goop for men is what they say he is goop for men yeah he is gwyneth paltrow a bald, muscled, tattooed Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. With a few more pounds. And a way less height. <laughs> He's for sure like a foot shorter than Gwyneth Paltrow. You think so? Uh, how tall is she? Five foot ten? Just- uh, maybe not a foot. He's that guy's five two if he's a foot. I don't know, but what <laughs> happened? The reason that Joe Rogan is in the news is that he made comments about young people not needing to get vaccinated. Yeah, I think for the most part, it's safe to get vaccinated. I do. I do. But if you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I, I go, no. Yeah. Are you healthy? Are you a healthy person? Like, look, don't do anything stupid, but you should take care of yourself. You yeah. should. If you're if you're a healthy person and you're exercising all the time and you're young and you're eating well, and like, I don't think you need to worry about this. Noted dual disciplined epidemiologist and virologist. Dr. Joe Rogan, everybody. 
Well, he made a statement the following day to clarify this because it went viral and there was a lot of criticism because it's a very dumb and inaccurate thing to say. And he said, quote, I'm not a doctor. I'm a fucking moron and I'm a cage fighting commentator. I'm not a respected source of information, even for me, but I at least try to be honest about what I'm saying. Wait, it's just you're a dumb shit. Leave it to the professionals. Leave it to the CDC. Leave it to people like um, public health experts like Dr. Fauci to give this kind of advice. Also, this is selfish advice just on its face. We talk about the getting the flu shot, maybe not for yourself, but so you don't pass something on to somebody else. Yeah, but I want to talk about this defense. I said that, yeah, like I didn't agree with you. I totally agree with everything you said. It's more about this statement from him. Yeah. Where... This defense of I'm just a dumb guy, I'm just asking questions, I'm just saying stuff. You have the most popular podcast. Yeah. You are on Spotify. You and just there got was... paid a hundred million dollars, uh, reportedly, his deal. Yeah, you you have a lot of power and influence, and you can say you're dumb all you want. There are many, many people who wake up, listen to your show, and take what you say as the way they should live their life, the right. way that they should comport themselves. And there are people who like don't read books and who don't care about actually educating themselves, who believe that by listening to you, that's an education. Like there are people who think that podcasts are an education and YouTube videos are an education and that's what they rely on. And when right. they're relying on people like you for that, that's really scary. And by saying, I'm just a dumb guy, ha ha, doesn't cancel out what you said. It doesn't cancel out the harm because people are still believing what you're saying. Because how many people heard him say that, that we just played, who didn't hear the mea culpa? The, oh, I'm just a fucking dumb guy who 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 call who does color commentary on cage fighting. Right. But there's also... The damage is done. Yeah. And there's also this idea. I've heard this from people who defend Joe Rogan all the time. They'll say... Yeah, he just puts up interesting people and asks them questions, and then he gives his audience the opportunity to research and figure more right. information out about the guest. How many of them are doing that? Also, and, and what do you mean research? Like, I just read a Wikipedia quote. Are they doing what I did? They're just going to Wikipedia and reading something? No, That's not research. They're, they're digging deep into the research of epidemiologists and all the studies, the deep scientific studies. They understand about p-hacking and statistical analysis of data. They understand it because they, they do the research themselves, Brittany. It, it is absolute ridiculousness that this guy... Look... I'm not saying he should be deplatformed, but he sh certainly shouldn't be trusted. He gives Alex, he's still giving Alex Jones spots on his show. A guy who, who harassed the victims of Sandy Hook for years and years. So he had to make a statement, probably yeah. because Spotify can't quietly delete this episode yeah, <laughs> from right, the back exactly. catalog like they could in Alex Jones' version, right? Uh, so they had to have him make a statement. But I want to play an exchange that Anthony Fauci had with Jim Shuto on CNN. And I love how Anthony Fauci is carefully says, I don't want to get into a back and forth with this person <laughs> referring to Joe Rogan, but he wants to provide the accurate rebuttal to someone who thinks this way, which is important because many, many people think this way. Joe Rogan. Okay. This guy's got tens of millions of downloads on his podcast. And, and while he said to his viewers, his listeners yesterday, 
you know, I don't believe the vaccine is unsafe. He did say if I was going to talk to a young person, uh, someone who's 20 or so and healthy, you know, he doesn't see the need to get it. Now, you and I both know that you can't stop a pandemic until you get herd immunity and you stop this thing from being able to mutate and get out there. I just wonder when folks like that do that, are they endangering the health of their listeners and the community? Well, they certainly are making it more difficult to get to the common goal that we all want to get to mm-hmm. is a very, very clear suppression of this virus so we can get back to normal. The comment that I had and the response that I have, I, I again, don't want to get into a back and forth with this person. But what he said was that he didn't think young people should get vaccinated. And, and the response I have is that part of what he's saying it relates to the fact that young people have a much less likely chance of getting a serious outcome if they're infected. However, what this does not take into account, Jim, is that a person who makes that decision is looking at themselves in totally a vacuum and not realizing that you are part of society. And even if you get infected, and you get no symptoms, which would go along with what he's saying. Why should a young person get uh, vaccinated if, if the likelihood of their getting sick is very, very low? Yes. But you've got to think beyond yourself and say, if I'm a young person and I don't want to get vaccinated, but I get infected, you may then infect someone inadvertently. And I'll use the word innocently because I don't think anybody deliberately wants to do that. And then you'll pass the infection on to someone else who might pass it on to someone else who might really get seriously ill and might die. So you have to put a little bit of societal responsibility in your choices. And that's why I disagree with Mr. Rogan. And this is really something that people have been failing on left and right, because the mask issue is the same thing. It's it's exactly the same. It's about protecting other people. It's about making other people feel comfortable for a minor inconvenience. I hear people say all the time, my glasses fog up. My glasses have been fogging up for a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's amazing what you can get used to. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's just your glasses fogging up every time you talk. I'm a therapist. I talk for a living. My glasses are fogging up. Where were we the other day and the lady was like, oh, I hate these masks. Like Everybody hates the masks. That's not a profound thing. You're not like ingratiating us to your anti-mask weirdo like we're not going to start voting for republicans because you're convincing us the masks suck well we know the masks suck everyone thinks the masks suck even this thing that happened on twitter recently before the cdc announced that you no longer have to wear a mask when you're outdoors and not around people or not in, I mean, in crowded carlson, areas tucker carlson telling people to call cps if they see their kids wearing a mask yeah Ugh. That and going back to what I was saying about Twitter, uh, people on Twitter, conservatives on Twitter, were criticizing and making fun of people who were still wearing masks outside and asking, like, what's wrong with these people? Well, what's wrong with those people is they're trying to make other people comfortable because I don't know who's been vaccinated. Yeah. And people don't know that we have been vaccinated. Right. I mean, how am I supposed to distinguish between... The person who's outside about to walk past me not wearing a mask, who could be an anti-vaxxer, who, who believes the pandemic isn't real, yeah, uh, or someone who has been very conscious of everything during the pandemic and respectful and is vaccinated. How am I supposed to tell the difference between those people unless they have a MAGA hat? I mean, I don't know. Right. 
No one knows. So that's what it is. It's until we get through this and until uh, national herd immunity is at a high level, until infections are decreasing, and they're not. There's still like 50 to 60,000 new infections every goddamn day in America. I think the I think the cases are decreasing. They are. Uh, you're right. They are. What did I say? Uh, 50 to 60,000? I think so. So right here, New York Times, cases on April 29th, 51,465. Deaths, about 700. So it is slowly curving down, slowly, but it's still 50 to 60,000 new infections every day. That's more of a plateau than a, than a straight dissension. You know what I mean? Yeah. We need to ride this through. It's Yes, it's uncomfortable. We've done it for over a year. We can continue for a little longer. Ride it through until herd immunity hits, and then we can go back to normal. What's this? I don't know. I just don't understand it. Well, yeah. It, it's no ability to uh, delay gratification. Right. It is for sure that this has been one giant marshmallow test that many people have have failed, and it has, Google it, it's, Google it. It's been upsetting <laughs> to watch, quite frankly. But I think I will not. I will not necessarily wear a mask outside if I'm not going to be around anybody. But if I'm going to walk by somebody or I'm going to be around somebody, I'm for sure going to wear a mask outside because. Yeah. That is, I, I feel, the respectful thing to do. It's not about fear. That's that's the other thing that they keep saying is, like, these people, but what's wrong with them? They must be so afraid to be outside. That's not it. Again, it's about respect for other people. Yeah. And I, I don't know why that keeps getting lost in the conversation. We because care about other people. Yeah, but well, they're not being intellectually honest. They're not dealing with the issue with honesty. It's it's trying to make it about something it's not. Yeah. It, it's fear over free, freedom over fear. Whatever. Get, get the fuck out of here. That's not what this is about. It's about taking care of one another. It's about empathy. It's about compassion. It's about loving your neighbor. Doing unto others, Christians, who aren't listening to the show right now. What? You don't think Christians listen to the no, show? No, not those Christians. <laughs> not those ones. All right. We love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. I doubt it at dollamore.com. Taking care of biz. Dan Price. Yelling again. Oh, A lot wow. of yelling. You set me up for that. Vaccine hesitancy. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was vaccine altruists. Altruists. Oh my God. I can't believe I yelled again. Oh my God. Okay. Pretty page. <laughs> I do have that one. Okay. So you set me up. You boosted it in the headphones I not, so I would yell again. I did not boost it. Yes, you did. Not a chance. You sabotaged me. Saboteur. So. Dan Price. Dan is taking care of biz and it is a little loud the headphones he it was very loud it's not yelling loud but it's pretty loud i needed to scream in order to know that you guys can hear me so dan price he became famous after he uh lowered his wage as a ceo from 1.1 million to 70,000 a year this was in 2015 and then he announced that he he was raising his company's minimum wage to 70,000 per year so he lowered 
his income as the CEO of his company to be able to provide a living wage for his company. And productivity, what, everything went up. There were there were no negative results from it. Yeah, he's only been wildly successful. He's a great follow on Twitter. If you have Twitter, if you're a Twitter person, if you're not a Twitter person, well, I don't even know kind of what you do with your time. What's that? What's that like? What's that like? What do you? What do you obsess on if you're not on Twitter? What is it? <laughs> How do you know anything about what's going on in the world? About like memes and stuff? What do you do? So anyway, he went on Fox Business, I think. One of the two ding dong networks, yeah. And talked about what his perspective is as a business owner, you know, how conservatives want to hear from the business owners. Yeah, they're, well, they're talking about the minimum wage increase, raising, and he 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 specifically, uh, in, in tandem with that issue, talks about health care mm-hmm. and the government providing health care. If you want to help small businesses, one of the ways to do it is to take the burden of health care away from those small businesses. Small businesses like mine could pay a lot more in wages and provide a better incentive for employees. Also, if we raise the minimum wage, we'll be able to then have that funnel upward with the economy. Because right now, we have a third of all American wealth stuck at the very top with the billionaires. If we can have a bottom-up economy that works for everybody, we can provide the right incentives for employees. So, so you think by making it more expensive for a small business, it's going to help them? Well, actually, um, when I started my small business, um, health care was one of my biggest costs, and it still is today. But that money actually comes out of my ability to pay employees higher wages. So instead of a $70,000 minimum wage, I could have an $85,000 minimum wage if we had a health care system that instead of being a giveaway for the insurance companies, actually provided health care for people all over the place. I really like his point. I think it's awesome. One, I think he's a great evangelist for this type of message, especially because Fox News, for some reason, has him on. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to make sense to a lot of people because the, he is a, a he has a track record of this working. But it's almost a trickle-down economics kind of tax cuts for the rich uh, argument. And I know that... that we need we do need universal health care in the country. We need Medicare for all, for sure. But to assume that if the government takes over health care in this country, businesses will be unburdened, uh, unencumbered with that cost, and they're just naturally going to give it to their workers, I think is a little Pollyannish. Hmm. You know, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I know that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Just like the tax cuts for the wealthy this round with Donald Trump, Oh, businesses are going to, they're going to reinvest in the country and it's going to be a, no, they, none of them did that. They paid dividends to their shareholders and shit. They didn't pay their workers more. There wasn't raises across the board. W- wages have been flat and down, not up. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's great. It's a, it's a great concept. Um, but there needs to be more mandates of like the minimum wage needs to be raised as uh, as policy, not uh, from out of the goodness of Jeff Bezos' heart. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's I I agree with your criticism there because I think the expectation is I did this, I cut my pay, I gave myself a one million dollar pay cut, <laughs> right, right? And there are going to be many other CEOs that are willing to take a Who pay would do cut, the same thing, right? So that their workers can thrive. 
And I'm not sure that that is the case. But but take, let me say this. Taking care of biz because good guy. Yeah. Running a successful business and doing all the things that liberals and lefties all across the board think CEOs should do. Right. And this is proof positive that it does work. That mm-hmm. it's, he's not, oh, it's going to be, he's not charging his customers a bunch more. It's not, the the doom and gloom and dystopian outcome isn't isn't happening here with this guy, and he doesn't he doesn't run his business out of Omaha, Nebraska, some low um, expense area. It's Seattle. Right. He, he lives in a in a, in, a, in a place that's expensive to live and run a business. Yeah, for sure. And it's still working. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Dan Price taking care of biz, well deserved, awesome. We'd love to know what you think. I'm gonna wrap it up. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone. To I doubt it at dollamore.com. Listen, we sure do love you guys. We appreciate your concern when we're delayed. We appreciate your loyalty and your listenership. We would invite you to help support the show on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. Check it out. You could join us on a Patreon call. Which Those is, are a good time. Which is tomorrow, Saturday, May 1st at 11 a.m. Pacific time. And then just so you can be prepared to plan for them going forward, they're going to be on the last Saturday of each month. At 11 a.m. Pacific time. That is correct. All right. We love you. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt it.